Good evening and welcome back. It's another exciting episode of the Across the Tracks podcast. Here we are. It's the last uh, last week of January and uh, we're here on the case and uh, glad you're hanging out with us tonight uh, on this particular broadcast. I'm Wayne. I am Steve and welcome. Welcome to the momentous 100th podcast wow. that we've put together. One hundred episodes. This is our this is our one hundredth episode that we're uh, recording as as we do this. And you know, before we came on the air, we were talking about you know we got you know maybe one hundred coming up here pretty soon. And as we uh, checked our information, um, this will be number one hundred. Wow! So we're glad to have you with us. I'm Steve, and we hope that you uh, will uh, enjoy the podcast. So, my brother, what do we got? We got a few things going on tonight. Let's jump right into it. Yeah, got a few things happening uh, around the world. Some some international things going on. Uh, some memorials to talk about tonight. Uh, a few folks again passed on it seems like every time we we uh, fire up these mics man we're talking about uh, someone who is who has passed on so and then we want to talk about a uh, a legendary athlete uh, who had his jersey retired jersey retirement ceremony here um i believe it was last week and then uh you know some walk-in topics that uh you know we usually segue and get into a few walk-in top walk-on topics so we'll we'll do that as well so let's kick it off tonight with the ongoing crisis that's uh, happening in Europe right now uh, with a potential, even though, you know, some folks say it's not going to happen, but all indications are that at some point uh, Russia may invade Ukraine. And uh, if if that should happen, um, it is going to throw the world into a tizzy. Um, because um, this will require um, NATO to get involved. Um, the U.S. is a big part of NATO. They always have been. They Some people equate the United States and NATO as one and the same. Um, having uh, served in the military and been assigned to a NATO um, to a NATO organization, I can say that yeah, that's true. Uh, the U.S. does take a huge leadership role in the NATO alliance. So uh, right now, you've got Russian troops massing on the border of Ukraine, surrounding that country. Uh, the U.S. is sending uh, equipment. They're sending aid to Ukraine. Talks are ongoing between the U.S., Ukraine, Russia. The ambassadors are talking, flying back and forth. Uh, right now, it's a little bit scary situation, man, because uh, we don't know what um, Mr. KGB, Mr. Putin is going to do. And it has the world on edge, so to, a little bit, uh, so to speak. And uh, so it's something worth watching. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, a lot of folks on uh, listening that may be listening to this broadcast may not remember the Cold War uh, that um, the U.S. and Russia had for years. I think we were we grew up in the Cold War era, and um, you know a lot of posturing, a lot of talk, um, and and you know we never came to that uh, inevitable 
you know, fate that a lot of people thought would happen is that someone would push the button and uh, there would be mutually assured destruction uh, between us and at the time the Soviet Union. Uh, but since the collapse of the Soviet Union, um, Russia, Putin, he, he has been trying to, uh, I think somebody coined the term today, get the band back together and, uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, get all these countries that were once part of the Soviet Union. Some of them are NATO members now. Uh, he, uh, that sort of rubs him the wrong way and he's trying to rein in some of these, these countries. And Ukraine is one of those that has declared their independence. They are a democratic nation. Uh, and that rubs him the wrong way. So right now it's a, it's a wait and see as to what's going to happen. Uh, I, I'm watching that. I, I'm a little nervous about that because, uh, if this does happen, uh, it is going to throw the world, man, into uh, into a very, very grave situation. So I'll throw it over to you. Your thoughts? Um, I don't think it's going to throw the world into a grave situation. I think there will be a lot of people in Europe, in the United States, that are going to be real, real um, anxious about this. I, I I hope he doesn't decide to go into Ukraine uh, be, simply because the Ukrainians, they don't think that he, he is going to go in. And that's what I feel because, you know, life is kind of normal in, in Kiev or Kiev, as it used yeah, to be, as yeah. we used to call it. Yeah. Um, and they just don't, they don't believe that you know I I, I I had a a student from Ukraine uh, he's a foreign exchange student and the news that takes place over in uh, Eastern Europe or Europe in general in those countries that were once part of the former Soviet Union or they were uh, satellite nations of the Soviet Union, uh, the idea of free press is just has just started since the 90s. So they don't really know that much about it. You know, I, as I said, I had this this student from Ukraine and I used to do this um, game called the Gestapo game. And I, I, I went to Washington, D.C. for um, a program called Close Up several years ago and I took like 14 students from my school and they went there and they met other students from all over the world and and went to Capitol Hill Day and all the teachers that brought all those students all came to uh, DC as well and we shared you know teaching strategies and so on well there's this lady that was from Seattle and she goes oh yeah I've got this game called the Gestapo game and basically it 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 gives you all these laws that were written under Germany at the time and all these things that happened. And the object of the game was to be alive in 1945. Okay, so it started in 1933 and they had a game board that I put out and so on. And you go through this game and I basically read off all these things that actually happened. And then they had to risk something. They had to risk their life. They had to risk their job. They had to risk their home. They had to risk their community. And they just put a piece of paper on this board. And then at the end of 
me reading something, I say losses are job, community, life. And if they didn't lose it, they'd put it back in their envelope, risk something else. Well, I'm making a long story. I'm sorry about that. No, no but this this kid from uh, Kiev, we got to one part of the of the uh, Gestapo game. We got to, I want to say 1943 or 1944, and there was a, a massacre of Ukrainian Jews. A hundred thousand Ukrainian Jews were massacred, and at this little city called Barbier. And this kid couldn't believe it because he had never heard of that before because everything had been controlled by the government and free speech had been controlled by the government. And he looked at me and you, you could see terror in this kid's eye. And I'm just reading this. He wasn't there. I wasn't there, but it happened. And I went through and and as I went through these things, I went through and got pictures and I added pictures. I had it on PowerPoint and went through all that. And this kid started to cry because he couldn't believe that this happened in his country. Wow. Okay. So out of this long story is the fact that the Ukrainians I don't think they really believe that the Russians are going to do this. Mm. And I think that Putin, he wants, he wants the West to be out of Eastern Europe. He's so paranoid. He's one of those guys that is a, you know, was a KGB agent and he wants to bring back the old Soviet Union. And since no, no one did anything about him taking Georgia or Crimea, Crimea, then he feels that uh, he's just going to do the same. It, it kind of reminds you of World War, you know, back when the Nazis went into Czechoslovakia and said that, well, the western part of Czechoslovakia, okay, there's a million Germans that live in this area because they became part of Czechoslovakia as a result of the treaty that ended World War One. They didn't ask to be there. They just they just drew borders, boundaries around them, and they um, they became part of the Sudetenland. So Hitler's excuse to go into Czechoslovakia, this kind of sound familiar, was to that he was only freeing, you know, those million Germans that were caught behind the uh, terms of the Treaty of Versailles that ended World War One. Right. And and Putin is trying to do the exact same thing. You know, not only did he take Crimea, but he also has taken eastern part of uh, Ukraine. And so he's going to use this as an excuse to go in there. And as the United States and the British and the French and most of Europe are saying, hey, we're going to support Ukrainian independence. With the exception of Germany. Germany, yep. you don't know where they're going to fall. Okay. Yep. So uh, it's going to be a mess in Europe. And yeah, so yeah. I think you're saying the world because, you know, you, you throw China in there also. Yep. Because the, the, the Chinese and the Russians have kind of become buddy buddies. Mm -hmm. But if you know history, the Chinese have never trusted the Russians. 
because the Chinese have always felt, the Russians have always felt that they were better than them because they're European. You know, that sounds familiar. Yep, yep. Okay, even though that the communists in China and the communists in Russia at the time were both communists, to us they were enemies, but to the Chinese and the Russians, the Chinese never trusted the, the Russians because this idea of superiority. Right, okay, right. you know, I, you know, I could go on and tell history stories and so on, <laughs> but yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be quite uh, interesting, and to see how the United States government responds to that. You know, yeah. we've got equipment that's over there, that's being shipped over there. You know, we may deploy some soldiers to Eastern Europe because I think they feel that if Ukraine you know, falls, then who's going to be next? Is it going to be Poland? Is it going to be, you know, some other country? So, um, yeah, this this could be serious, but I I, I think that it'll be a a big mistake for the Russians because if we really do hit them with sanctions and if we cut off who they supply oil to, then they're going to be losing a lot of money. Now, some people don't feel that that doesn't mean anything to them because the Russians have just been stocking away money, right? just putting it away. Well, eventually, if they're going to continue to fight, you know, tanks need gas. You know, somebody has to pay for the armaments. And eventually, they're going to run out of money. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's intense, but, uh, you know, hopefully... Things will work out, and uh, I hope uh, the president decides uh, that, you know, he's going to stand up, you know, and do everything we can to protect the independence. And, you know, demands were asked for by uh, Putin, and we haven't met any of those demands. You know, they they don't want, you know, Putin doesn't want Ukraine to ever to be part of NATO. And President Biden says, I'm not going to say that. If they want to join, it's open. Okay, I'm not going to say that they'll never be part of NATO because, hey, it's an open door. If they want to join, come right, on in. Right, right. It's it's interesting in this regard. If, if, if Russia did invade Ukraine, because Ukraine is not right now, they are not a member of NATO, um... I'm not sure how Article 5 of the NATO Charter comes into play, that it's sort of like if you attack one, you attack all of us because they're not a member of NATO. So I guess the U.S. is just saying, hey, uh, if you attack this sovereign nation, um, you know, we're we're going to assist them. And it has France has said the same thing. I think you alluded that the France says they are going to support Ukraine's independence. Uh, France and a lot of other the um, European countries. I say, yeah, we will we will come to the aid of Ukraine, but it's it's you know it's not since they are not part of NATO. It's not as though you're attacking the alliance. You're right. attacking a sovereign nation. So right. it's it's going to be interesting, man. I it 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 is worth watching to see how this is going to play out. Uh, a lot of posturing going on. Um, it, it's. It's it's interesting. That's all I'll say. It's interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like you mentioned earlier. It kind of goes back to the old Cold War things. Yeah. You know, yeah. you go up, you go 
I think uh, John Foster Dulles called it brinksmanship. Yep. You know, who's going to be the first to blink? Yep. You, know, you get up to a certain point and then things cool down. It yep. may just be a return to that because that's all that Putin knows. Yep. Yep. And there was also the uh, the threat of, quote, mad, as the term was called, mutually assured destruction that, you know, we're not going to destroy each other. That That's pretty much what, uh, you know, held, uh, you know, that Cold War that I think that's what kept it from escalating to that point that there is a there is the um, the element of mutually assured destruction. If you hit us. We're going to hit you, and that's pretty much the end of the world, you know, type thing yep. that you see dramatized in a lot of, a lot of movies from that era. So um, it's interesting. <laughs> Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove. Uh, one of my favorites is a movie called Failsafe. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. man, that is a great movie. Uh, I watched this movie here the other night, man. We're, this is one of our segues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I watched this movie the other night. It's called By Dawn's Early Light. Yep. Oh, man. Yep, yep. It, it's, not, that's, it's a Cold War era flick. Great movie, man. But, have you ever seen Twilight's Last Gleaming? Yes, yes. That's that another is, good one. That is a good one. And then, you know, a lot of others about the dropping of the, the atomic bomb to end the, the in World War Two and in uh, in Japan, the, the Japanese theater. So uh, that that's my favorite era, man, of, of war movies is World War Two. And, you know, a lot of the Cold War stuff, the nuclear type stuff going on, the, the spy, the espionage. I love that kind of stuff, man. So. Yeah. So we're watching. The world is watching to see what's going to happen. Uh, hopefully the negotiations will continue and, uh, you know, nothing but sanctions. If if, if sanctions are levied, um, that's that's what's going to deter uh, Mr. Putin from crossing that border. So we're just going to have to wait and see, man. And I think a lot of the people are watching intently as well. So we'll leave it at that, man, and uh, segue to another topic. All right. All right. What we got? What's up next? What's up next? Up next. Um, let's talk about our president for a minute. Oh, <laughs> let's talk about our president. Our president uh, is a, a couple of things going on with with uh, President Biden right now. Um, the other the, the let's kick off with with the funny thing. I thought it was funny. <laughs> you know, he was caught on an open mic um, at, a, at a, a meeting the other day and he called some reporter from Fox News, a son of a bitch. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought you forgot something. It basically was a sin. It was on that one now. Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the dude asked, he's like, "What a dumb question, <laughs> you know, type thing." I thought it was funny, but of course, people vilified him, you know. And and and, and you know what's what's hilarious about this whole thing, man? Again, we we've talked about it on this podcast before. The hypocrisy of some people. The previous uh, and I, you must have heard the new. Nickname that Joy Reid used for the former occupant. Did you catch that? Did you uh, catch that tonight? Was it Orange Julius? <laughs> Orange Julius Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, <laughs> you know, the names that he called people, and if if correct my memory, but didn't he call uh NFL players who took a knee? Didn't he call them sons of bitches? Yes, he did. So 
I find it funny that the hypocrisy of a lot of these people now from Fox News and some of these other, you know, off the wall news agencies that are vilifying Biden because did you hear what he said about this reporter? But your memory is short because the former occupant, he was calling somebody a name every day. (laughs) So I I just find it funny, man, that, uh, you know, Biden is funny in a lot of ways, man. He, he, He comes off. At somebody that, you know, is comical sometimes in a, in a good way, you know, keeping it light type things. Your thoughts on it, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just said what was on his mind. Yeah, right. You know, because he, the, this reporter asked some, stu- uh, some stupid question about, you know, inflation, um, you know, just try to get a little dig in. Right, right. You know, and as president, he's heard it all and all over and over and over again. So he just turned and said, you know, he's, he's a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, you know, we said that. Right. <laughs> you know, we said, man, what a dumb ass. Yeah. You know, that, he's a, he is dumb. He's ignorant, you know, but, but what a dumbass. I say that every Sunday I watch football, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yeah, he got caught on the open mic and, you know, it's, it's not the first time that someone's been caught on the open mic. It's, no, you know, it won't be the last. Could you, could you have done, so, could he have done something better? Absolutely. Could he have used other words? Yeah, sure. But that's what came out of his mouth. Right. You know, and he, it's not as if he did it every day no. on, a, on an open mic. Right. You know, and the people that are saying that, you know, we're just giving him an excuse. Yeah, it, it happened. So, right. you know, move on. Yeah. 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 Move yeah. on. You know, so I thought it was funny. Uh, but anyway, um, another tidbit, um, our president's going to get the opportunity to appoint a Supreme Court justice. Because Justice Stephen Breyer has announced his retirement. So President Biden will get the opportunity to nominate someone to fill his seat. And he has made it clear it will be a sister coming up on the bench, man. I like it. I like it. As as, to paraphrase his words, it's been long overdue. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this is great. Uh, But of course, some people are having a fit about it. And, uh, you know, it's to be expected. And I I, I, uh, I feel for whomever is the nominee because they're going to try to uh, maybe vilify is not the right word, but they're going to ask a bunch of dumb questions to the nominee and they're, they're going to try everything in the book to, uh, you know, to make this person look bad. Um, and this person probably has more qualifications than, in, in their little finger than these people have. So uh, he's getting the opportunity uh, I think it's great. I think, um, yeah, it is long overdue. Um, is it going to change the complexity or the 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 way the court handles decisions? Maybe, maybe not. But um, it is a big deal. Uh, so, your thoughts on that, man? Yeah, um, there they will do everything they can to try to trip this lady up, whoever she is. And, of course, you know, the talking idiots, the talking heads on uh, one uh, Fox News 
they're all been out of shape saying that, you know, this is because it's affirmative action. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's affirmative action. You can't, you, you can't do that then. And, and, and they tend to forget that when other presidents have said that, well, I'm going to nominate a woman. Right. They didn't have any complaint about that. Nope. I'm going to nominate another person. The, the, the previous occupant said that I'm going to have, have a, a woman to replace uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, RGB. Yeah. So they didn't complain about that. So they didn't talk about affirmative action like then. They didn't talk about affirmative action when Sandra Day O'Connor was um, was nominated by Skippy, a.k.a. Yep. Ronald Reagan. Yeah. So whatever whatever he says, they're going to say just the opposite because they have to have people. I, I say this time and time again, and you've heard me say this probably out of our 99 broadcasts. This is number 100. You've probably heard me say this 100 times that. They aren't happy unless there's something or somebody to hate. That's yep. all they have. They, are, they aren't making any laws. They're not doing their jobs. All they have to do is try, all they've got to do is try to make light or make pain out of progress. That's yep. all. Well, you're I mean, absolutely. just like like just like our good old boy. We will not go to hell. Supporting court nominees before before it's you know election year. And then as soon as it's an election year, he goes, "Well, we're going to nominate somebody." And then they nominate somebody, and it's confirmed in less than a month. Yep. Hypocrisy. You know, Hypocrisy. So, yeah, he's going to name someone, and I hope it's someone that's, you know, fairly young, and they can stay on the court for a minute. Yep. Okay. Um, I, I, <laughs> it's, it's funny. I just— Posted something on my Facebook. I, I I put term limits. I put five, three, and twenty years. Those those are my words. No one else's. That's what I think. You should have term limits. You give members of the House of Representatives. You give them five terms. Okay. You give them ten years. You're the hell out of there. Okay. You give members of the Senate. You give them three terms. You get 18 years and you're done. You're not going to be around for 40 some years like uh, Moscow Mitch. Right, right. Okay. And then you give Supreme Court nominees, you get rid of life and you give them 20 years. That's it. You get 20 years, you're done after that 20. Then somebody else is nominated and you move that process forward. Because if you look at the Supreme Court, if you look at the Supreme Court, and let's talk about our our guy from uh, that that replaced um, Thurgood Marshall, uh, Thomas. He's never written an opinion. (laughs) Okay. He don't say a whole lot either. He doesn't say anything. (laughs) He hasn't written an opinion. All right. 
he's he's sir he's getting two hundred and forty some thousand dollars a year, and he's not doing a damn thing. Yeah, they're not letting him write. The the biggest thing is they're not letting him write. You know, when Rehnquist was the uh, chief justice, he goes, "We got an opinion. I'm not letting Clarence Thomas write it. He's a friggin' idiot." John Roberts comes on the becomes the next Supreme Court. Any major decision, I'm not letting Clarence Thomas write it. Now he can join in with someone, right, right, but right. he hasn't. He hasn't written. I don't think he's written one opinion, and he's been on the court since. 1990, let me see, 1996 or seven. So we're talking, he's been there for 30 years. Wow. 20 years is it. His ass has got to go under my, under my, (laughs) under my term limits. You give him, you give him a generation, that's it. And then the next generation comes in. I agree with you, my friend. Yeah. yeah. So, what he, are your uh, thoughts, Mr. Thomas? Has been on the court since 1991. 91. Wow. 91. Succeeded the great Thurgood Marshall. So, yeah. Hmm. Um, I, I like that. I like that man. Term limits. I like it. I mean, the president, you can only serve two terms. Yep. You cannot run a third for a third term. Uh, so I spread the wealth, <laughs> spread Absolutely. the wealth. You got to go. Uh, that's why yeah. I like the movie. Uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Uh, Jimmy Stewart. Yep. Uh, he, he, he wanted to serve his country. I'll go to Washington when I'm done serving. I'm coming back to my little town here and did what I did before I went. I mean, that's the way it should be, man. I, I like that. I like right. that. Right. We right. need, we need some new blood flowing through there, man. New ideas. And uh, this would be great because some of some of these folks, man, well, they're multimillionaires times over. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, they've been around forever, man. And it's like not that, you know, you want to discriminate against anyone because of age, but it's like it's time for some new blood. Yeah. Uh, maybe we, maybe we'll get a Congress that's more bipartisan right. as opposed to partisan. Right. Right. You know, because right. you're going to have you're going to have elections coming up and. You know, people are going to, you know, choose people. Right. I mean, if they start choosing moderate people, then the the courts are going to be fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the the nation will be fine. But right now, it's it's either on that team or this team. Right. And no one can be in between. I mean, right. it makes absolutely no sense that you have 16 members of the on the Senate that voted for the extension of voting rights in 2006 yeah. and not one of them vote yeah. for yeah. voting rights in yeah. 2021 not one yeah i mean are are they are they voting their conscience or are they just following along that's the problem that gets me well, I is think that that's- yeah. They're just following along. They're followers. They're, they're afraid followers of chicken on, man. shits. And they're, and they're afraid to to piss off Agent Orange. And, uh, you know, I was like, we talked about, what are you scared of, man? What are you scared of? This dude can't hurt you. You know, you're supposed to be a leader. But they, they're follow-ons, man. All they do is follow on. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's obvious that 
you know, you voted for it in 2006 and now what? Uh, yeah, it, it makes no sense, man. So yeah. are we ever going to get the voting rights passed? I don't know, man. It's, you know, if, if we could motivate uh, the two Democratic uh, uh, representatives, senators, uh, Re- Joe Manchin and Cinema, to, you know, put on the right jersey and play for the right team, uh, we might get something done, but um, they 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 want to be they want to be in the spotlight. That's yeah. that's what I get from these two man. They just want to be in the spotlight the and have do. somebody talk about them every day. And it's like you're you're worthless, man. You're not doing anything. The you know? thing to do is to forget them, go win Senate seats, and take it out of their hands. That's right. You know, just take it that's out right. of their hands. You know, go win, go win that Senate seat that's in Pennsylvania. Go win that Senate seat that's in in uh, Alabama. Uh, uh, Raphael Warnock's got to win his seat again. Okay, just to keep it even. Go go someplace and win a Senate seat that you're not supposed to win. Yeah. You know, and hold on to the ones that you have right now. Hopefully, uh, Val Demings is gonna is gonna beat uh, take Rubio's seat. Uh, hopefully, she's uh, she's gonna do that. It's but gonna yeah. be tough, man. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. She is a she would be a great senator. Yep. But the issue here in Florida is that this is a place where number one. You got a place called the Villages, right? Yeah, its own little friggin' uh, conservative enclave. It's almost like its own little territory, and you have a lot of Cuban Americans. And since Rubio is a Cuban American, you know, and she will have to really uh, bite into or get into that that group. And that's where uh, uh, Biden and the Democrats have failed in the past. Yeah, is that yeah. they're not they're not looking into that, and that all goes back to Castro and all that crap. You know, these people are so anti-Castro, and I mean, Castro's dead, okay. But you know, you have to be, you know, against all that kind of stuff, even though that that stuff is no big deal, okay. So it's gonna be it's gonna be uphill sledding for, her, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just think about um, the the governorship here in in Florida. You know, DeSantis won, and so it's and the other guy was a, a better a better candidate. You know, was much more outspoken. Yeah, and I mean, he ended up falling off the map because he's fooling around a little bit. But that was after the fact. So I hope Val Deming win. Yeah. That's one down, but it's going to be yeah. tough. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think she knows she has her work cut out for. Yeah. But uh, I would love to see her take that seat. And uh, that's that's as we say on the broadcast, it's it's highly important that people get out and vote, man. Yep. If you don't like the way things are, then your power is in your vote. And we need to exercise that and uh, get get rid of some of these people, man, that aren't doing anything for the people. Get rid of them. You know, know, I I was listening to something today and this is what's kind of also we're still talking politics here. Sorry, folks. But there are 
three Republican governors that are in blue states. All right. I think maybe maybe four states. I think Sununu in New Hampshire. Uh, I can't think of a guy in Maine, uh, in Massachusetts, and then in Maryland. How is that? This is this could be another topic. We're kind of moving on here, but how is that possible that you have Republicans that are the governors in blue states, but you don't have any Democrats that are governors in red states. How does that happen? What's the deal? Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. That is interesting. Well, so I'm I'm looking here, here. <laughs> we were talking. So, um... The governor of Maine, you mentioned Maine was one of those states. Their governor is actually a Democrat. Okay. Okay. Janet Janet Mills. She was elected in January 2019. Okay. And who was the other state you mentioned? Massachusetts? Massachusetts. The governor of Massachusetts. Now he's a Republican, Charlie Baker. Okay. He is a Maryland. Republican. And Maryland. Governor of Maryland is Larry Hogan. Yep. He's a Republican. Right. So, yeah, interesting. Interesting. But, you know, we, 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 well, we sort of know what's, you know, people are redrawing these voting districts and whatnot, um, gerrymandering and, and all this other foolishness that's going on. It, 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 it gives, it gives certain people an advantage uh, when it comes to, the amount of people that are voting for a particular party and who is voting, you know, and that, you know I think what? that's how you end up with a lot of this. I think this is this is the deal. This is this is my thoughts on how Republican governors can run in blue states. They are moderates. They're not batshit crazy. I mean, you have to be. I mean, just think of who was the last Democratic governor of West Virginia? Hmm. Joe Manchin. Yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, true. you have to be fairly moderate in order to survive. When you look at the red states, you ain't moderate. You hmm. moderate. You got you got no chance. Right. You got to be batshit crazy like them batshit crazy people down there. They're not going to get uh, some moderate. They just want some they want some crazy person that's going to be doing crazy shit. Yeah. They, you know, it's 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 weird, but I I digress. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, that's a it's a good point. And like you say, maybe that's a topic uh, we can get further into on uh, maybe our 110th broadcast or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's a couple of things that uh, has been happening with our president. He's got his plate full. I'll I'll give him that, man. Oh, he has a full plate 
of activities going on right now. So, no so let's seg- let's segue to uh, let's segue to a sports story here real quick. Before we get into this sports story, I Antonio have Antonio Brown is what now? Antonio Brown? We're talking well, about him know, again. That, that's one. No, no, that, no, that's no. <laughs> um, that that's that's one. But um, <laughs> as a as a football aficionado. I have to ask you about last weekend's playoff games. Oh, man. Man. I was on the edge of my seat. (laughs) Wow. That was some great action, man. Great action. All all the games were great. I was... um, I was was happy that the Niners took out the Packers, man. Yeah. And I I have my reasons for that. <laughs> but I, I was I was happy that the uh, the Niners took out the Packers. Uh, that Buffalo Kansas City game, and I'm not a football head, but that Kansas City Buffalo game was undoubtedly one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Man, <laughs> yeah, being though wow, those guys, those two quarterbacks were going at it toe to toe. They p- plays were made that were amazing. Uh, but I don't know how you lose the game with 13 seconds left. I, <laughs> I mean, you're, you know, <laughs> when, when they scored, first of all, game. I was, I was cussing because I'm like, how in the hell can you not do that? Especially since I'm a def- I was a defensive coordinator. Okay. I'm like, I, I'm screaming at the TV. You're dumbasses. You're dumbasses. How in the hell can you do that? Why'd you let him do that? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm looking at it. And so they scored that last touchdown and Buffalo says, I mean, if you saw uh, Josh Allen's face, he was yeah. crying because yeah. we we just beat Kansas City. We just beat Kansas City. There's only there's only 13 seconds to go. I mean, you can see us hugging Kumbaya. Right, right. Oh my God, we just we just beat Kansas City. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. First thing. Uh, Buffalo, they're dumbasses because they kicked the ball into the end zone. Yep. Yep. Number one. Okay. What? How, how stupid can you be? I mean, <laughs> kick the ball on the ground, let it roll around, let it bounce off their path. The clock is running. They only had 13 seconds. Right. Right. You 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 bring the ball out to the 25 when you kick it into the end zone. Yep. All right. And then Kansas City was smart enough to realize that, hey, get out of bounds. Cooper Cup just just killed him. And then that, oh, that long was LA. play. That was L.A. No, I'm sorry. Um, um, shoot. Who am I For thinking? Kansas City. Uh, Kansas Kelsey, City. Kelsey, Kelsey. Kelsey and Tyreek yeah. Hill. Were. Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. <laughs> Two plays, Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. That, that's how I tell you how good those games were. Cooper Cup. They all came down to that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was two it plays. Was, yeah, it was awesome. Four, four plays ended two games. Okay, and so I'm like, I can't believe that they're doing this, and they get down, <laughs> spike the ball, go into overtime. Here's the here's the fall. Okay. It's not college. It's not high school. It's professional football. It's not fair to everybody. Nope. The rule is if you score on the during the first possession of the game, that means that you score a touchdown 
or it's an interception for a touchdown or a fumble for a touchdown, game over. Yep. If you kick a field goal, the other team gets the ball back. Yep. You kick off to them, and then it just goes. They just went to, I think it's 10 minutes, I think it is. Yeah. It just yeah. goes 10 minutes, and then the, you play. So it was it was yeah. up to Buffalo to stop Kansas City. Right. You got the number one defense. Yeah. <laughs> you it's, have the number one defense. Don't and, be bitching uh, about it now. You should have stopped them. Right. Should have stopped mean, them. Should have shut them down. I was, uh, remember Tim Tebow, right? Yeah. You know, his claim to fame was it went to overtime versus the Steelers. You know, I've always been a Steelers fan. And first play of overtime or the second play of overtime, they score. Game over. Steelers didn't get a chance to go back on the field. And Tim Tebow, number one, the dumbass secondary, okay, they lost the game for him, okay, for the covers they were playing. This is the defensive coach in me. And taking the wrong angles when they could have tackled the guy. Yep. I remember hey. that game well. Hey, you know, it's it's pretty simple. It's pretty yeah. simple. You, you stop the other team, you get a chance. You make them kick a field goal, you make them punt, you get a chance. Right. You yeah. Know, do, 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 you, do you remember the first, the longest overtime game in NFL history? I do not. You do not? No. It was Kansas City Chiefs. Versus the Miami Dolphins. Six quarters. Wow. It was six quarters and Jan Stinnerud. You remember that name? <laughs> Jan Stinnerud. <laughs> Jan Stinnerud yep. kicked a field goal to win the game yep. in the sixth quarter. Yeah. And Gary Premium was the kicker for the. Dolphins. It was actually yep. the first time that a soccer-style kicker kicked in both games at the same time because yep. they were still kicking the old-fashioned way, you know, yep. straight-on kicking. Right. And it was John Stinnerud that came into the NFL that started the soccer-style kicking. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He was the. Uh, he was the uh, Fosbury of the NFL. Yeah. Fosbury <laughs> flop. Yep. Yeah. Fosbury flop of field goal kicking. Yep. Yep. And they've <laughs> all done it ever since. Great action. I well, mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I took over. No, nah, man. Like I mean? said, I, I'm not. I've, I've never been a huge football person. I, I know enough to be dangerous about football. Uh, but you cannot deny, man. All those games were fantastic. They were. They were fantastic. And so now we have uh, another weekend coming up, uh, championship games on Sunday, um, and everybody's, you know, watching. I, I'm i hoping L.A. gets there. I, I like L.A., and I would like to see the uh, – I'd like to see the uh, – who is it now? It's L.A. is playing the – 49ers. Playing the who now? 49ers. LA is playing. Yeah, I think LA is going to be there, and uh, it's probably going to be LA and, and Kansas City, unless Joe Burrow 
just has a great game and 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 takes out the nullifies Mahomes. But it's going to be interesting. I like to see LA get there because I, I like uh, Stafford, man. Yeah, I like yeah. Stafford. Cooper Cup, he, he's the man. He is the man. So, uh, but great action, man. Great action uh, leading up to this Sunday, the AFC NFC Championship games. It should be good, man. Yep. So uh, let's let's keep it on let's keep it on the sports tip here. And you mentioned uh, a name that we've talked about here on the broadcast before. I'll I'll throw this over to you. You mentioned oh, Antonio Brown. So uh, what what do you got to say about Mr. Brown? Uh, he just needs to stop. Just stop. <laughs> Cut it out. Just quit. <laughs> just leave it alone. That's all I got to say. That's you, all you, you got. To you say. shot yourself in the foot. You screwed yourself. Just shut up and go sit your ass down someplace. Yeah, Period. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Um, yeah. We both know that someone is going to take a chance on him. We oh, know yeah. yeah. It's going to happen. And uh, we'll wait and see. But, uh, you know, hey, some people have nine lives, man. <laughs> yeah. There's nine lives. So someone I would said, not be surprised to see him back on someone's team for the 2022 season. So someone said, well, the Colts should take him. I said, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> the, the Indianapolis Colts are going to take him? Yeah. Really? This uh, is Indy. This is. Uh, it is Indiana. They ain't taking nobody like that. It, right. if, if they didn't have to probably, if they didn't have to draft any black player, they probably wouldn't draft any. Right. You right. know, just wow. just saying. Wow. They ain't gonna take Antonio Brown. Wow. Absolutely not. Well, I mean, it just ain't gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they and and Indianapolis fired their defensive line coach. Wow, fired him. Gone because they didn't get any sacks in their playoff game. The line didn't. The line didn't do its job. Well, guess what? The Indianapolis Colts didn't do. The offense didn't do their job. Right. Didn't fire the offensive coordinator. Oh yeah, I forgot. That's the uh, head coach. Right. Okay. They didn't. They they didn't block very very well. The quarterback sure stunk up the place. They didn't talk about getting rid of him. Mm. You know. But they got rid of the offensive. I mean the defensive line coach. Wow. Yeah. Blame blame it on blame it on the. Uh, Blame it on the fly in the sugar bowl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting to see yeah. what happens with Mr. Brown. I, 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 I would not be surprised if someone picks him up. For next oh, yeah. Someone, someone That's just the nature of the beast, man. Yeah. Nature of the beast. So um, another sports tidbit. Um, Hall of Fame uh, point guard for the Utah Jazz, John Stockton. We remember John Stockton. Stockton to Malone, <laughs> the old pick and roll that killed he killed the uh, a lot of NBA teams for years that uh, couldn't stop that pick and roll. So anyway, uh, he is a alumni of Gonzaga University, and uh, he was at uh, either he was at a game and uh, refused to put his mask on because they have a mask mandate uh, in the arena. His season tickets were revoked. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I love it. I love it, man. Uh, You know, people have to stand. It doesn't matter who you are, man. Everybody's got to play by the rules. Um, And I'll share this story, man. We went to uh, we went to a Denver Nugget game last Friday night 
Uh, I had to go up and see John Morant, man. If you if you if you ever get the opportunity to see John Morant play live, man, it was amazing. He had 38 points. <laughs> he had 30. They had no defense for him, but I won't digress there. But anyway, we went to the game. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> and uh, went to the game and they sent me this list of policies for the arena. You had to show proof of vaccination uh, when you got to the arena or you had to have a negative uh, COVID test within 72 hours of the event. So we took our vaccination cards, showed our vax cards. And the other st- stipulation was you had to wear a mask in the arena unless you were you know, eating or drinking a soda, beer, whatever. So we're sitting in our section and, you know, people were coming in, getting their seats. Uh, we had some popcorn, some snacks, whatever. We, we had our masks out, we were eating. But in between, we pulled our masks back up and kept our mask on. Well, as we looked around, there were all these people that <laughs> didn't have masks on. And security never approached these people to ask them to put their mask on. And good with Gonzaga you you know this this hall of fame guy who's well known to everybody his his pictures mural of him is in the arena they're like hey sorry mr stockton we're revoking your season tickets because you refused to comply with the mask mandate and he gave some excuse as to why he didn't want to wear masks but it's like these rules are there for a reason they're there to protect everybody and uh i was glad they did it man just like they uh kicked uh, Novak Djokovic out of the Australian. I was glad. People need to stand <laughs> up and enforce the mandates, man. If you have them in place, enforce them. And so I wrote a letter uh, to the arena complaining about, like, you know, are you going to enforce your policies or what? You know, and not only was it mask, they were restricting the the size of bags you could bring into the arena. So, you know, women couldn't bring in large purses, this type of thing. If you brought in a purse, it had to be a certain size. Well, we see all these ladies coming in with these huge bags, man. And it's like, (laughs) what the hell? You know, why are you wasting your time sending out these policies when you're not going to force them? So I applaud Gonzaga for doing that, man. I I, I wish more people would stand up for, you know, what 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 they what they believe in. This is this is what's required to be here. We're going to enforce it. Your thoughts? Well, you can tell that you're in the military. <laughs> you know, if you if there are rules, you go by the rules. Go by the rules. Okay. And they're looking at it is this is just lip service mm. at, at the arena that you're you're at. Right. It's lip service. We're, we've got this down. We're telling you about all these things. But you know what? It's really up to the ushers. It's really up to those people to enforce that, which is odd because a lot of these people, they're, you know, they're making minimum wage, some of them. Right. Okay. I mean, am I going to get my life threatened by some drunk Elvis impersonator that's at the uh, Denver Nuggets game? Is it worth it? You know, yeah. I, I I can no, see I, that it's 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 like it's like teaching school. You know, they have rules that kids aren't supposed to wear hats mm-hmm. in our in our in our school. And when a kid wore a hat, I said, take your hat off. OK, they had a rule that, you know, you're not supposed to have jeans on that have holes in them. OK, no holes. 
And if I had a kid at the end of the day and it's seventh period, they've gone six periods and no one has said something to them. Why is that? Right, right. You know, because, you know, some teachers look, this is not important to me. I, you know, it's no big deal. But to me, you know, the military person in me, you know, you can't stand here with those jeans on. You got holes in your jeans. You got to go to the dean. Well, right. I've been in these jeans all day and you're going to make me go down? Hell yeah. <laughs> Take your ass down to the dean. Right. Okay. So I can see, you know, your point of view that and it would be my point of view, too, because, you know, we go places, we put masks on. And, you know, we went on we went on two cruises since September. And the rule was whenever you're not on deck, you got to have a mask if you're inside. Right. And we did that. OK. And whenever we saw people that didn't have masks on, we just stayed the hell away from them. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and they were nice to remind you that, you know, you know, put your mask on, put your mask on. But at a place like a basketball arena where they're severing beer to people oh hell no yeah you 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 may as well get up and you may be scrapping there in a little bit right right. yeah it's but you know you you're gonna waste time sending me in an email these are the arena policies i get it okay boom yeah i can comply with that because i want to come enjoy the game and i'm gonna comply with your policies but if you're not gonna enforce them don't waste the time Exactly. You're making everybody show proof of vaccination, then let that be it. If you're if everybody coming in here is fully vaccinated, boosted, or they've had a negative test with this, then let that be it. Don't enforce mask. Okay. But uh you've added that extra caveat in there. Yep. And your the, the, the little fine print, so to speak, said you must have a mask on at all times within the arena, whether you're vaccinated or not. Right. Regardless, regardless of vaccination status, that's what the policy said. So we're we're sitting there, and so you know, a lot of people around us they they had their mask on unless they were sipping a beer, taking a coke, eating some coke or whatever, eating some coke, drinking coke, <laughs> popcorn or whatever. Some you know, they would take coke. their mask down, sip their beer, sip their coke, whatever, pull their mask back up. But there are a lot of people just blatantly just sitting there, man, and it's like I know these security people see these people. I know you see them. And it's like, what the hell? I mean, why bother? Why bother? And and it irritates you because it's like, damn, this mask is hot. I'd like to take my mask off uh-huh. and sit here and enjoy the game, but I'm not going to do that. Why? You said this is your policy. I'm going to comply with your policy. Right. So I guess to each his own, you know, you govern yourself. And, uh, you know, I can't worry about you, man. If you, if you want to get sick, that's on you. But at the same time, you're inconveniencing me and other people here in this arena who are complying because yeah. you want to be an asshole about it. Yeah. If you don't, just, just, if, just my two cents. Yeah. Don't make rules that you're not going to enforce. Don't make rules you're not going to enforce. And that's what I when I wrote my letter, it's like, look, you know, you put this out. <laughs> I mean, you wasted time. Send me this email along. Hey, we got your tickets. By the way, here are the arena policies. I encourage you to read them. Okay, I read them. <laughs> Let me walk into the arena 
and not have a mask on when you said it is required, then why did you waste the time to do that? It's just me. Just me. So uh, one last sports story here. Actually, we got two. We got two more sports stories. Um, I'll do this one and I'll let you do the last one. Uh, Willie O'Ree. A lot of people may not know who Willie O'Ree is. Willie O'Ree. Willie O'Ree was the first black player in the NHL, the National Hockey League. And um, I think it was last week uh, to honor him, the Boston Bruins <clears throat> tired his jersey. <clears throat> yes, Roe raised it to the rafters of the TD Garden. And that's huge, man. Uh, I had heard of Willie O'Ree in, in passing, reading a lot of, uh, you know, black history. Type. <clears throat> I'd heard the name uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's not one, you know, I, I don't follow hockey, but I was aware that like, yeah, he was he was this this uh, uh, trailblazer in hockey, similar to Jackie Robinson in baseball. And uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, basketball, the first uh, black guy to sign with the NBA. I can't remember his name. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, great, uh, great honor. Have his Jersey retired by the, uh, Boston Bruins, man. And you don't see a lot of black folks in hockey. I mean, period. <clears throat> Think in the NHL now they're what? Probably less than 10 people, black players in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But we're making strides. It's, you know, it's 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 one of those things. I We didn't grow up around, you know, hockey, playing hockey or watching hockey. So but it's a great honor for Mr. O'Ree and uh, glad to see that. Glad to see that. Your thoughts on it? Yeah, he's, he was the, the Jackie Robinson of hockey. Yeah. And bottom line, um, as you mentioned, we just don't see very many black folks in in the hockey arena. Um, I think there are more now. Um as time goes by, there probably will be more, but that, that's a regional sport, you know, for the most part, and that's mostly uh, up north, Midwest yeah. and upper upper Midwest and the Northeast and so on. Yeah. Uh, as <clears throat> as the uh, southeast uh, southeastern part of the country is football, right, south right. is football, up north it's it's you know hockey. People right. get out there on the frozen lakes of Minnesota and places like that, and hey, hockey's in their blood. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, I mean, hockey was in his blood too. As he grew up with people that taught him yep. how to play hockey. Yeah. Uh, I know one time, um, uh, Alex was maybe kindergarten, and there was a couple. He was going to, to do weebelows. Uh, I guess that's the first stage of Boy Scouts type yeah. stuff before yeah, Cub Scouts. Yeah, they're before the Cub Scouts, I think. Yes. Something like that. Weeblows, yeah. <laughs> and um, one of the parents, we were going to this Weeblow meeting, and one of the parents said, hey, uh, you know, my son, uh, he, he plays hockey. I think Alex would be good to come out and do hockey. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, we go over to Perry Park and you know, we get up and we go have the ice. And I said, uh, well, what time do you guys go over to Perry Park? And um, this is an ice rink that's right down the street from where we live. Mm -hmm. And I said, what time do you guys get on the ice? He goes, oh, about 4 a.m. 
I said, hell no. <laughs> he ain't doing no damn hockey. Are you kidding me? Four o'clock in the morning is the only time that you can get ice? No, thank you. He won't be doing hockey. Wow. Besides, I mean, all that damn equipment. I mean, just yeah. think. Yeah. He's he's five years old, four years old, and you have to buy hockey equipment. Yep. Next year, he's going to be bigger. You have to buy hockey equipment again. Yeah. <laughs> and just think every year. And hockey equipment is not inexpensive. No. And he's going to no. outgrow that. Oh, no. I'm sorry. No. The yeah. 4 o'clock in the morning? Uh-uh. So I I give people props for for that and that's that's why you don't see very many black folks doing hockey. Yeah, it was the same thing with Danny when she got into ice skating. You know, you know, you don't see a lot of black kids ice skating either, right? And she would practice at like five o'clock in the morning, and so Cynthia would get up, take her to the rink for practice. I would pick her up on my way to work, drop her off to school. We did this, we did this all week because we practiced every, I think every other day or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, you go, you go to these arenas, man. You went to this arena where she practiced, and it's like, okay, I walk in, and it was funny, right? <laughs> we went to this one uh, competition that Danny was in, and we walk in. Uh, Cynthia and I walk into the arena. And I go to the snack shack or somewhere. So Cynthia's just there, you know, looking. And this lady walks up and says, oh, who's your child? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, like, that's what she asked me. She's like, who's your child? (laughs) Well, if you look out on the ice, there's only one black child out there. Okay, there's only one black little girl out there skating, getting ready to do her routine. Okay, so. How, what? Whose child do you think she is? I mean, just you, you always felt I, I I'm sorry, man. I have a complex. There are certain sports that, you know, you're going to be the only one up in there. Mm-hmm. And and you like I know people are like, what the hell is he doing here? Like, you know, type thing. And you would have probably got the same thing, man, going out there at four o'clock in the morning with your kid <laughs> to do hockey lessons or whatever. I mean, but somebody has to break the, you know break the uh i guess the glass ceiling to get into a lot of these sports right and so mr ori was one of those people man and um you know he was rewarded for his accomplishments and they they retired his jersey i thought it was awesome man because like i said i knew of him but didn't know you know all uh, more about him than probably i should have and so um you know he's a trailblazer earl lloyd is the gentleman i could remember first nba player earl lloyd yeah, yeah yeah Earl Lloyd, first uh, black guy to play in the NBA. So we've had a lot of trailblazers, but Willie O'Ree, hockey, NHL player, first black, jersey retired by the Boston Bruins. So I'll leave this last sports story to you. It's actually a memorial as well, so I'll kick it over to you, my friend. Yeah, Yeah. we're going to talk about a basketball phenom, and that is uh, Miss Lucia Harris. Lucia Harris, anybody? Lucia Harris. Lucia Harris was the queen of basketball. Yeah. She was a big time NCAA player, scorer, Olympian, and had the distinction of scoring the first ever 
basket in Olympic history for women. Yep. Uh, she she went to um, her HBCU. I think it was Delta. Yeah, Delta, Delta State. State. Yep. And um, basically became the the queen of basketball. She is the only female back in the day to be drafted by the NBA. She was that good. Okay, and she not only was drafted by the NBA, she also um, was nominated and honored to be a part of the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame in uh, around 1992, I think it was. Okay. Yep, I believe so. Yep. I think she won a national championship. Uh, with Delta uh, Delta State, I think they were called the well, they called the Statesmans. Yeah, I can't remember their exact name. I think they were they called won, the Statesmans. Uh, yeah, they won three uh, three national championships at the time. The Athletic for Women's uh, Athletic Association for Intercollegiate Athletics for Women Conference. They won three consecutive uh, NCAA championships. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think she was also the first female to dunk a ball in competition. I think that is true as well. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she, she was, was six, a three. She was a player. Yeah. Okay. And Place she there. she and she had to have grown up playing with the guys because that's how you gonna hone your skills. Yep. You know, um, most most ladies, girls, women that are that that started off basketball at that time period back in the um, early 70s, you know, they got their skills from playing with guys. Yep. And that's how you got your skills. I mean, you get up there. It's like when we were coming up playing, you know, we got better as little kids. By jumping in the games and playing 21 with the big kids, knowing that we were going to get our butts kicked if we <laughs> lost, if we were the low man. <laughs> but we honed our skills because we wanted to get better. And yeah. she did the same. She honed her she honed her skills by playing with the guys and eventually uh, earned herself a scholarship to Delta State and therefore being able to play on the Olympics team and becoming a professional. Yep. And that's how she got the name, the queen of queen of basketball. Yep. Yep. Uh, you mentioned drafted by the NBA. Uh, she was drafted by, at the time, they were the New Orleans Jazz. Uh, now they're the Utah Jazz. But it, it's it's a shame there wasn't a WNBA then. Um, you know, no, nowhere to, you know, take your skills, uh, you know, beyond the Olympics and, uh, and that, you know. So, the WNBA is great, man. I, I, I thank God that it came along because we wouldn't see a lot of the great uh, female players that we see now. Had not has if there's no WNBA, these ladies, a lot of them would play overseas, and uh, you wouldn't get to see them. I, you know, Cynthia Cooper toiled overseas for years after she graduated mm-hmm. college, and she came into the WNBA. She was in her 40s, I think, 40, late 30s when she came into the WNBA and was kicking butt, you right. know. 
So uh, the WNBA is great. It's uh, it gives uh, women ball players the opportunity to go out there and showcase their talents, their skills. And um, I, I'm, I'm glad it's there, man. And uh, so I'm sure a lot of other women are glad that they have that outlet now that uh, Miss Harris didn't have at the time. So I'm sure yeah. she followed uh, followed the WNBA and was was glad to see these ladies getting the opportunity to showcase their skills and talent. So. Yeah. Yeah. And she's our age. I mean, she's yeah. yeah, she was 60, 66, 66, 66 years old, man. So. Before uh, Cheryl Miller and Lynette Woodard and a lot of these other great ladies that play, there was Lucia Harris, man, the queen of basketball. So rest in peace. Rest in power. power. Absolutely. All right. Uh, What else do you have tonight, my friend? Oh, well, we're getting a little bit long in the tooth. Yeah, we are. (laughs) So we'll we'll just hold on to what we have for later, uh, an update later on. Uh, we could go on and on and on till the break of dawn. Yeah, like a Twenty-five cent bag of popcorn, <laughs> as they say in the words of the great Curtis Blow. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. I just oh, like to say, oh, oh. I almost forgot, man. We we had we had a couple memorials to talk about. Uh-oh. Do we want to? Do we want to table that to the next broadcast? Let's at least talk about uh, let's talk about these two real quick. Okay. Let's do real quick, uh, and I and I'll and, and I'll kick it off. Meatloaf, Meatloaf <laughs> passed this week. Um, uh, iconic rock singer, um, had some great hits, man. Um, um, I got pretty much all his stuff in my library. Um, I do anything for love. Uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. If you've ever listened to that song, is great. Yeah, it's rock opera. Yeah, it's it's a, it's amazing, man. And uh, his he had a big hit in the '70s when uh, you and I came of age. Uh, what is that? I was just listening to it the other day. Um, two out of three ain't bad. Yes. Two out of three ain't bad. But uh, real, uh, he was a big guy, but in the rock, uh, rock and roll, he was uh, an icon, um, put out some great music, and he'll be missed. Um, so, you know, rest in peace to Meatloaf. Your thoughts? You said it all. You said know, it all. All he right. Was, he was that in, in a bag of chips. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And that's why he was called Meatloaf, because he's a yep, pretty, hefty, yep. pretty hefty guy. So, yep. Yeah, uh, Louis Anderson uh, passed, a comedian. Yeah, um, Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson. Uh, I remember you know, he did a lot of a lot of stuff. But one of the things, one of the the, the characters I remember him most was the uh, the guy who worked in McDowell's on Coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's known for that. He, it saved his career. Yeah, he worked because he was just a side side show. Yeah, uh, kind of comedian. And because of coming to America, uh, his career was reborn. Yep. You know, so, uh, yeah, Louis Anderson was was the last uh, memorial we wanted to talk about. So, yeah. Well, there's one uh, more. Oh, uh, that's Leon Talley, fashion icon. Oh, yeah. uh, Fashion icon. um, Yeah. uh, 
the uh, he was a fashion journalist. He's a stylist, creative director, editor at large of Vogue magazine. Yep. Um, yep. You know, just huge in the fashion industry, man. Um, yep. He 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 was a, a pioneer, you know, in the in the fashion industry. A lot of people uh, just loved his work. Uh, he's a big guy, man. He was six six, so an imposing. Six, six imposing figure when he walked into a room uh but he was very humble very humble um his work was uh world renowned and so we want to remember leon talley um tonight as well rest in peace rest in power yep i think that's uh that's it man that's that's what we got to, to wrap it up for tonight Yes, sir. This has been a this has been almost a marathon. We're gonna have to take a break. Yeah, we we got a little carried <laughs> away tonight. That's <laughs> <laughs> all good. Carried though. away, but it's all good. It's all, yes, sir. It's yes, sir. Good. So, any last thoughts, my friend? No, man. Uh, we are said last week of January, Black History Month's around the corner. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, just continuing the conversation, uh, continuing the dialogue and uh, this opportunity we have to grace these airwaves once a week and uh, share our opinion to two guys from small town America, E-Town, Kentucky, sharing our view. So we're just glad to be able to do it, man. Yes, sir. And don't forget to drag somebody to the polls. Make sure you get them registered. Look at all the uh, registration um, uh, quirks that they'll put in there. Uh, make sure you dot every I and cross every T. Yes, sir. And make sure that you are out there. Uh, if they get rid of the majority of your precincts, they make you stand in line and they don't want to give you water for standing in line for eight hours. Hang in there, baby. Just yeah. hang in there and keep with it and do your justice, do your duty to uh, to vote and bring somebody with you. Yes, sir. And with that, we we'll say it the way we see it. And like three strikes, we are we're out. out. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are of those of the individuals and do not reflect on the official policies or positions of any government or corporation.